best not miss. Well, I'm a bunch of real proud laying motherfucker, motherfucker. Welcome to the Party Pal, the mind-bending film and television podcast you didn't know you needed. Welcome to the Party Pal is a proud member of the Osiris Media Group. Check out all their podcasts, all their live events, everything they get going on at OsirisPod.com. We got a great episode for you today. It's one we've been meaning to do for a little while, a show that we're enamored with uh, that just dropped its second season because in this episode, we will be celebrating the return of Mike White's Emmy-winning television series, White Lotus, which returned for its second season this past October. This second season stars Jennifer Coolidge, Aubrey Plaza, Will Sharp, Theo James, Michael Imperioli, and many, many more. Recently won a Golden Globe Award for Best Limited or Anthology Series, and uh, Jennifer Coolidge picked up Best Supporting Actress. It's an excellent show to dissect it properly. I have Justin Wells back on the program. Let's get right into it. Justin, welcome back to the party. Great to have you here. You're our White Lotus guy. Excited to get into this. Yeah, I mean, I've I've had a fall of loving two different versions of Mike White. One of them was a quarterback for the Jets, and the other one is the the, the writer of White Lotus. So uh, very excited to talk about this, a TV show about rich people constantly making the worst decisions you can possibly make. It's fun. I want to talk about the appeal of the show, and that's I feel like that is really one of them. Audience love, um, increasingly so, watching you know, the ultra-rich elites kind of get theirs and get played, and that happens in this. I don't know. Did you see, um, did you check out Triangle of Sadness yet? Have you seen that film? Woody Harrelson's in it. It's, um, I haven't watched it yet. You know what I'm talking about? It is high on my list of things that I actually uh, probably need to do this weekend. It's Ruben, what is it? Ostlund, um, director, Force um, Majeure is one of the films he was really known for, but it's one of those too. You got these super, super rich people on a, on, on a cruise ship and, what happens to them? And it, it's very comical. And I think that that comedy kind of relates to what happens in White Lotus. But uh, White Lotus is really taking off. It's a phenomenon. And I didn't see that coming. I usually wouldn't consider a, a show like this getting this sort of wide range love that it is. Uh, I want to ask you why you think that is or more pointedly, maybe why, you know, why you love it. I know you love it. Um, can you speak on that some? No, I love it because I think it's funny. Um, it's fucking hilarious. I, I don't, you know, we could start at the surface and then peel back the layers of this onion a bit, but I, I love it because I think it's funny. Yep. Um, I, I don't feel like uh, most people have a view into the lives of the insanely wealthy. Yeah. Because yeah. very few people get to live those lives. And it's 1% for a reason. It's a yeah. true. Yep. And. I think that seeing those people lampooned is the way in which many people want to consume it. Uh, If you look at our political climate, basically both sides of a, be it, you know, the far left to the far right, obviously we know where my political leanings lie. Um, They're not on the far right. Uh, There's like, you know, a distrust of, you know, wealth and the elite. Now, some of that is an anti-Semitic dog whistle. Some of that is, um, a straight up lie, but there is a, a small truth. Yeah, Tucker it, which is, talk about the elites is pretty funny to me. It's very funny to me. Humanity. Swanson family, the fa- Swanson family uh, <laughs> dinner air. But um, yep, go on. 
there's there is obviously a reason it works is because people are animated because they see the you know they see people who have a lot more than them basically shoving it in their face constantly yeah, yeah. and the reason white lotus works is because you want to see those people yeah. also be portrayed yeah. as charlatans and, and dullards yeah which often they can be it's 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 proven time and time again we see off so often that you know uh it, it it's it's funny who becomes billionaires it's not the brightest and sharpest all the time and and and, and it, it's you know we, we see it in shows like this there's uh the appeal really does um and you spoke about onions there's lots of uh, chew off there's lots of ways to approach why this show is so so fun and so interesting i mean it's funny um it can be enjoyed on so many multiple levels there is this like relationship breakdown between people there's a complexity of human nature that's really got into you know they really get into it the struggle to make relationships work or why they don't the power struggles within relationships are really really broken down um on top of it all you got a whodunit too or you know in all i mean in in this case who is in both cases actually not just whodunit but who is dead who dies here it's really yeah. interesting to see what happens i mean this season started with daphne covering up coming upon it was a body and then we find out immediately it's multiple bodies um ultimately i almost feel the whodunit becomes beside the point i i kind of lose you know i get into it towards the end of the season you know because you know they waited till the last episode most of the time i'm just enthralled in all the other aspects and you know everything else going on it's it's um but it was fun when we started to see that um greg was involved tanya's husband and how he was involved that was that once you kind of you know put that piece of the puzzle together that was super super interesting but i mean the uh what's the whodunit part of it do for you i think it just anchors the storyline to there's a finite end here and that finite end dies when um a character, you know, a main character dies, and you're also just trying to figure out throughout the throughout the um, the presentation of the characters which yeah. one of these people is going to have the most sordid tales that might lead towards yeah. their death. And they're all they're all suspects. They're all suspects. They are. That's which is fun. But I think Mike White's really good at giving you. And you were talking about you know we're talking about Easter eggs. He's really good at telling you who's going to die yeah. very early on. Right, sure. like. In season one, Armand's death is foreshadowed by the fact that he's extremely sober and things start to go, you know, he's a recover, he's in recovery and things start to go wrong for him, for him when he starts abusing substances. Yep. Yep. In season, um, um, the end of season one, uh, it, it, they had, there's a conversation between Tanya and Greg uh, about a journey towards death. He was, he was, he was, he was writing this whole thing about Coolidge, uh, Coolidge's death. There was, there was kind of a lot of hints about it throughout that, that Coolidge was going to pass. Yeah, yeah, there, I think there absolutely were. Yeah, another I mean, part I think of the feel, go on, please on here. I think it became very obvious once they got to the villa. Like, yep. you never go with shady people to a second location. Oh, you don't always, especially especially on lot. It was, uh, like I said, when it was fun to find out that Greg was involved, right away he was he was not happy about Portia, the assistant, being around. There was a reason. He, he didn't want anyone else to mess up whatever he had in mind. Um, another part of the appeal is is... Jennifer Coolidge. I mean, just her as Tanya is just it's it's amazing that I love seeing all the love she's gotten. She was she just won um at the Golden Globe. She she won an award and says now she's finally invited to all the parties. She's you know made a joke about milking being Stifler's mom from American Pie for a while, and now she's the belle of the ball. 
and it's exciting. I mean, we don't have her moving forward. Spoiler alert! But um, but it's so cool to see her get her moment. She's the best. She's the Just best. A fantastic comic <laughs> actress. Yep, she's really, really, really special. Another piece of it is too is the setting. It's fun. It's 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 good on Mike White for finding um, you know, in- another four seasons that would let him use their grounds. <laughs> Absolutely. I was starting to think about uh. You know, there's going to be White Lotus tourism going on. People going to whether it's Sicily uh, uh, or Hawaii or wherever they go on forward, going to see these four seasons. This one was um, San uh, uh, Domenico Palace by Four Seasons in Sicily. Yeah, there's going to be people checking these out, going to Four Seasons resorts just to see where these people go. But it's fun to go on vacation with people. Um, I think there's also something they say about vacations in general and something I think about when people come back from vacations and often, you know, the first thing is I want to live there. And I'm like that, what you just experienced isn't real life. You were just on vacation. You were away from work and the whole thing, but vacation is about escapism and what we find out in white Lotus. And I think a lot of us experience that is um, it is not real life, but real life can really follow you there and who you are. You can escape from, you know, your location, but you can't escape fully from who you are. And I think it's interesting to, that the commentary makes about vacations, not not just personally, but also, you know, what tourism um, kind of means to the locals and the resources. I mean, that's something that we talked about the last time because they spoke about it a little bit more in season one. But um, it is interesting that that it makes me think about vacations and, and what they can do for a person, what they do for a community. I think this is a perfect time to talk about the Chico men. Yes, yes, please. Because they um, attempted to go on vacation uh, to see their roots yeah. and Albi saw his roots. Yeah. Albi came, Albi became his dad. It's, it's, yeah. it's funny. Al, you know, his father, yeah. you know, his father is uh, in the Michael Imperioli's character and F. Murray Abraham's characters. First names are escaping me at the moment. Yeah. Uh, but, well, what we have there is uh, we have Dom is, is uh, Michael Imperioli. Dom is Michael Imperioli. Yeah. And we got Bert as the great yeah. F. Murray Abraham. Love him. F. Murray Abraham is just fantastic in everything. I'm a huge <laughs> F. Murray Abraham fan. Um, he can, he, he, if I was casting anything and I needed an older dignified man to play any role, it would be him. Yeah. I would also cast him as a non-dignified man. He yes. has range. He does. He but, does. Yeah. He could see, he you could see his scumminess a little bit when he was talking about his, you know, his prowess with women's and his, his desires. Desire is a big theme of the show. I mean, it, it's kind of funny that the two, you know, Bert and Dom both figured out very quickly that, yeah, Simona Tabasco's character is a prostitute. <laughs> yeah. And Albie had no idea until much later. And and, and the extent to which um, she plays him is hysterical because it's obvious to everybody. Everyone else. His innocence. Everybody I, else. I want to ask you, too, and just a, a very surface question, but, you know, who did you like the most? Who did you dislike, dislike the most? I, I, I could have a good guess on each one, but... uh. You know, I really did like Albie. He was so innocent at first. He did not want to become his dad, which you pointed out that he was it was unavoidable at times. He was wide-eyed, wide-eyed. He definitely was sexually driven, but he did not want to fall into that trap that his father had. Um, who was a character? Because they a lot of these characters are unlikable, and I think that's part of the fun too. Uh, who'd you like? Who'd you dislike the most? I mean, I think Tanya is the one you have to like the most. Uh, that's the one. I'm going to miss yeah. her. Like Tanya, and uh, I think I like Bert. Um, and to an extent, I have, I, you know, I, I can't really 
and I can't really sympathize with him or I don't know exactly how that kind of comes out, but I kind of like also the Dom character because you can tell that he's going through some real shit. Absolutely. And you then could, you could feel his struggle. Yeah. And, and then you like all the members of the staff at the hotel in particular. Valentina. Always rooting for the hotel. Go on. We're always rooting for the hotel staff. Yeah. Yep. Valentina in particular, because of the fact that the, you know, her entire story is being uh, in a shell because she both can't really express love to the people she wants to. Yeah. And doesn't know what it's like to express to 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 take in love in the way in which you would re, you know you'd you'd want it gotten. Absolutely. Um, as far as the characters that you don't like, it's very straightforward. I like none of the four camera. I like none of the four. I don't like Harper. I don't like. Cameron, I don't like Ethan. I yep. don't like Daphne. They are all terrible people. And whatever's especially happening to Cameron, the four of them played wonderfully by the Theo James. Yeah, Cameron. Cameron's actually, I think, the most likable of the four because he's the one who's at least most pronounced about exactly what he wants uh, and exactly who he is. He he knows exactly yeah. the type of asshole he is. It's funny. I really can't stand that type of person, which truly exists in the world, and you see it far too often in the world. I can't stand when I come upon them. I can't stand when I'm meeting I like him. I really enjoy watching these type of assholes on screen. They really make me laugh. I, I really hate that, that that's something I enjoy because I don't like anyone who acts that way, treats people like that. I mean, his I mean, his relationship with quote unquote best friend Ethan um was pretty intense. It's it's I mean, he's been a, pretty much abusing him and stealing women from him his whole life and really messing with his relationship here. That's it's it's some sort of abuse that I, I think about why people it makes you think about why people stay friends with people, stay in relationships, and and just the 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 how power struggles struggles work within friendships and relationships. It's it can be so messed up, and and I mean, so many of us are trapped in these things. People sometimes don't even realize you're in these toxic relationships. It's wild. Yeah, I mean, it becomes. It's just funny that one night, the the one night that Daphne basically kidnaps Harper, makes her eat, and makes her eat edibles in a in a villa, yeah. is like <laughs> the harbinger and portend of her doom. Absolutely, absolutely. What's up with yeah. uh, Daphne's trainer? Something really, really serious is going on there. I was wondering, I was wondering your um uh, thoughts about the themes and the points of the show. I got some. You know, I already mentioned a the theme of desires in there, and there's 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 some obvious stuff that we've already discussed. But kind of the point, some of the points Mike White's making that 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 uh, hits you because he's touching on a whole lot of things, and 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 I think it's interesting. What um what gets you about the what he's saying about people um and and maybe power structures is is a, play, a good place to kind of launch from. I think it's like uh, I think he's first of all, I think there's a lot about um. I think he says a lot about power without actually saying anything about wealth and equality. Yeah. Which is a very strange thing because there's no real point at which any of these characters, um, and and I think that's part of the point, is that none of these characters have any sort of reckoning or feeling that money doesn't necessarily buy them happiness. In fact, for all of them, it seems to be the opposite. It's the, on the only thing that can seemingly buy them happiness is money. Yeah, absolutely. And... I don't know what kind of statement about uh, I don't know what kind of statement that is about each of these particular characters. I think I kind of get that, you know, in wider society, it does prove that everybody who sits there and says money can't buy you happiness is uh, diluting themselves a little bit. Can it buy you pure happiness? No, but can it make you forget about your problems for periods of time? Yes, like no doubt. Dom buys off Albie to basically repair his life. 
Fifty thousand. Try to get in good with the ex-wife. <laughs> yeah, fifty thousand bucks to get in good. I, I don't think it's his ex-wife yet. I think it's still his it's wife. Absolutely right. Yep. And what is that going to? Paying off a prostitute that they that, that staged a fantastically intelligent con against them. Absolute one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like just an incredible charmer. Love yeah. her. She she's. Yeah. She is the most likable character also. I was, I was, uh, was going to ask you what you think about the prostitutes because you start out, you know, it's 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 your little unsure, you know, you, you you I just you end up rooting for them in such a major way that I didn't see coming initially when when we first met them. I I was I think I was rooting for them the entire time. Yeah, you're like from from I think I was, from I the jump I was all in. I from think, the um, jump I was all in on them. It's and I think it's also really funny that you get them versus like Portia, as shown, is yeah. two different ways of, uh, you know, sponging off of wealthy people. Yep, yep, absolutely. And their way is so much better because Portia is just a absolute dud. Like I yeah. know she's meant to be one, but she's an yeah. absolute dud. Like yeah. has no agency whatsoever. Yep, is basically told, "Hey, you fuck this guy," and what does she do? She fucks this guy rather than I kind of like Albie. He's cute and nice to me. Yeah, I know. I know. That was actually frustrating seeing her go towards Jack, the uh, the Essex boy, um, when Albie was right there. And it was just so obvious who she should be going to. Um, you know, I thought a lot about I don't think the show's cynical, um, it fully cynical, but it definitely it makes you, you know, uh, feel the cynicism about the transactional nature of relationships. Um, that was something good. You did mention class and. I feel like season one focused more on that, the have and have nots in, in class. Um, but yeah, the desire keep coming back up in the show. The uh, the motivation of sex, and this is what quote Michael White said, the motivation of sex, he believes, is always primary. So that's something that really, really drives things. And also, also you saw the motivation of the have nots looking for money. So there is a lot. Like, I mean, think of all we've already discussed. There's so many different ways to look at the show. You can look at it on the surface as fun. You could think about these deeper themes about relationships and power str struggles. Or you can just kind of enjoy, you know, what's going to happen, who done it, the whole thing. So it's really, I'm, I'm starting to, after I uh, analyze it and think about it, I'm starting to understand why so many people and people I didn't, wouldn't even expect are enjoying it. And, you know, most of all, I mean, the banging theme song. Is something we have to talk about. The, I love to see the memes and everything. Everyone's loving this theme song, and I get it. I would start it right away. I started feeling that thing. It, the theme song is great. In the fact that they adapted it to a Hawaiian, you know, Hawaiian instrumentation in the yep. first season, and then you know, more of an Italian kind of instrumentation and tone the second season Holy makes me really excited what they're going to do with it if the third season's in the Maldives, which is strongly rumored. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah, let's talk about that real quick. Season three, I mean, it's so fun that this is just going. We're going to get a new batch of characters. Hopefully, they've already established that they really enjoy um, uh, through lines and the whole thing there. So we should maybe have returning characters. There's talk about um, who's the character, uh, the woman from Friday Night Lights. She was uh, Coach Taylor. Yeah, she plays uh, uh, the tech executive in season one. Yeah, there's talk of her returning, which would be a lot of fun. Um, everything points to kind of uh, he, Mike White's talking about maybe Japan. Kyoto is that how you say it? K Y O Kyoto. Yep, Kyoto. Kyoto. Um, he mentioned that in Los Angeles magazine, but he's talking definitely Asia. Uh, Maldives are fully on the table. Um, 
you know, it's all been four seasons so far. So we should look at four seasons on the map in Asia yeah. going on there. But it's so fun that this can really just continue um, and just, you know, just keep going. Why not just keep going? A whole new cast of characters to show the complexity of their relationships in a different location. Sounds like we're all down for this, you know? It does. And it's also going to bring about one of the true tests of Mike White's writing ability. What's that? What happens when he has to write for non-white characters? Uh, which is which is a fair criticism. We're not seeing that at all, and I would love to see see some more diversity in here and see if he if he can or his you know he I, I think he pretty much writes these kind of on his own too. So we'll see we'll see he what does. he does yeah. from everything. Okay. I, I get that it's probably difficult for some people to write things that they don't really know. Uh, no doubt about it. That's I mean that's why that's why there exist writing staffs or people you know kind mm -hmm. of. Reach out to other people. I um, Mike White is really special, though. I've always loved um, Enlightened. I thought it was a show that didn't get enough love. Um, I enjoyed him at the Golden Globes uh, when he won. His speech was kind of there was an arrogance and hilarity to it that I love. First off, he talked about being how how smashed he was. That uh, he was real drunk. He's like they took away the food right when it's I the, get It's the Golden Globes. That's what, exactly. that's, that's the that's the everybody gets drunk award show. To be expected. Exactly. He was adorably drunk, but then um. He kind of called out so many of the actors in the room. He was like, well, "You guys, you guys know what you did. You guys all turned this down initially. You guys, I offered this to all of you in here, and you turned it down." So it was fun to see him kind of, kind of, you know, uh, cocky about that. But I, I do hope to. I, I want him to keep going there. But um, I can see this sucking all his creative energy, and I'd love to see him work on other projects as well. But this is a gift that he has this going. I, I, I do want to mention while we're talking about Mike. Just how well crafted this show is. I did mention that conversation that took place between Tanya and Greg at the end of season one that kind of alluded to her maybe passing. But there was, you know, there was callbacks to, uh, you know, Tanya talking about how she should have maybe started that spa um, with that woman uh, back in the day in episode five. There's a there's kind of like that um, recurring theme or idea that Armand and um, Sabrina both kind of were enamored with the, these subordinates, both of, both of those. Wait, now, is that Sabrina? What's the, um, who was the uh, kind of person who ran the hotel? I believe Valentina was her Valentina. name. Valentina, I don't know why I said Sabrina, but uh, they kind of were enamored with their, their subordinates there. But there's also, there's, there's these cool moments in the show. At one point, do you remember when Harper was walking through uh, like the village or the villa there and she was surrounded by all these horny guys who were looking at her? Mm -hmm. That is a shot-by-shot -shot recreation of um, um, Michelangelo Antonio uh, Antonioni's 1960 film um, La Ventura. So they actually which is a movie I highly recommend, by the way. Fantastic, unbelievable, film. and the fact that they just took that moment and, and just kind of recreated. You can see them side by side. There's a lot of things by that, but it's just there's it, it's just such a well crafted show. There's a lot of thought put into it. I mean. It's not just throwing a bunch of people into a, a, a nice setting and, you know, kind of, get, you know, uh, seeing how they seeing how these different people react to one another. There's there's a lot going on. Um, I want to ask you before we kind of as we wind down here, what um, do you have any thoughts about season one versus season two? Because I'm seeing people, you know, saying season two is so much better or, you know, the other way around. But what's your thought here? I have a preference for season one. Me too. Because I think I feel like the idea was newer and fresher. Um, yeah. I feel like they didn't have to make the characters as caricature-ish in yeah. season one. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but I mean, it, it's it's I still enjoyed season two. I still thought it was a really good watch. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, if he's going to write more seasons of this, I really hope it's not very many. This is an idea that I don't think that I think is funny and is good, but yeah. I don't know how much more legs it really has. Yeah, I'm curious too. Yeah, because it it can it can grow stale, and if you don't, if part of what he's doing is anchoring things against past seasons. Mm-hmm. to keep characters going like i don't need to see a season of cameron and daphne and yeah uh, harper and Ka- and cameron uh and then ethan going on vacation again like yeah. i don't need them I- i'm done with them. like i'm very very done with them yeah yeah yeah. We've, um, we've definitely been there done that for sure for sure yeah the, you know, I, I don't I, introduced I, to these new complex characters too i don't need to find out what happened when Daphne and Ethan went to the island or what happened when Cameron and Harper were in the hotel room. I don't need to know because I, I think I already kind of do and it's fine. Yeah. You know, I these people are sorted swingers. Yep. I um I dug I dug season one a little bit more. I thought the the big difference to me the, was the Armand character, Murray Butler's character. I just thought was such an anchor for that season in such an amazing way. Um I just it's you know, I think that's such a huge role. Uh, for the show and I was I was curious who would take it so we had Valentina in this role and she did great and and, and that that was Sabrina that's what I called her Sabrina um is is the actress's name but it just yep. you know Armand was just a stud I I, I He's incredible it. I, it's just incredible the the mean girls were fun Olivia and Paula uh Jake Lacey as Shane almost kind of like the Cameron Theo James type cam uh, character season one really does have my heart but Season two, I enjoyed a whole lot. Having more time with um, Tanya, Jennifer Coolidge's Tanya, felt like a gift. It, it was really, really special. You know, you know, it's also kind of, uh, and, and, and I hadn't thought about this until now, but like for a show that does play upon sex quite a bit, yeah. the only actual graphic sex scenes that the show has ever had are two male on male scenes. So yep. that's, uh, yeah. Well, that leads me into perfectly what I want to ask uh, uh, before we go here is. Do you have a best moment from this season or best line that like really stands out to you? While you think about it, I'm going to take mine because uh, you just alluded to Tom Hollander, who's played Quentin. Who's a, I love him, by the way. What a great character actor. I just I always think about um, what was it? The the um, the night manager. He was so good and in, in the loop. He's just he's, he's look at his, his filmographies and so much. But Quentin was fucking at that point where Jack was fucking him. And there's this amazing line in the finale where um, uh, Tanya was talking to Portia and she goes, well, he was kind of fucking his uncle. And it just, it really just killed me. That's like really maybe my favorite line. It just brings things, brings things home in such an amazing way. Do you have a favorite uh, line or moment from this season? I don't have a line or a moment, but I do think that we should very, very briefly discuss Portia's sartorial choices, which are (laughs) amazing because of the fact that they're like, the purple, the purple jumpsuit that she's yep. walking around in is just one of the ugliest things I've ever seen in my life. Like, there were certain times you're absolutely right about. There were certain times where she was, um, temperature wise, dressed funny. You're like, you would not be wearing that by a pool or wearing this in this setting. Like, why are you wearing a velvet polo shirt in ninety degree weather? Exactly. There was it, it was just. I'm so glad you brought that up. It was distracting in a way I like that just didn't need to happen. And maybe it was something she was speaking to the character uh, uh, or something he was saying the character that I wasn't getting. But what the hell are you wearing came up to me so many times. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that's the other. And then there is one other there is one other scene that also comes to mind, which is um, 
uh, the piano playing prostitute's name I'd never gotten when she drugs the piano player with what yeah. she uses Viagra and is yep. in reality enough heart ecstasy to give a man, uh, you know, a really strong heart attack. Little, little too much of the Molly there. That was, uh, yeah, he, that was uh, a, she, she was fun on the piano. I like again, I rooted for Lucia and Mia so much, even in that yeah, scene. Mia, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Mia also is, you know, why they're they're the only characters who actually seemingly have morals. It's so strange. I actually, that's a big thing I love in film and television. That's like the Omar thing where a man has a code or something. When people who are kind of looked at as the other other side of the other law or the underworld, when they have a deep, deep set of morals of, of, you know, who should be stolen from, who should be killed, who should be treated certain ways. I always love that. Love that. What else, Justin? Anything else we haven't touched on uh, in White Lotus 2? I mean, we haven't talked about the gays quite enough we you mentioned tom hollander there but uh you know they there was uh the gays followed by the mafia drug dealer who was either because at that point in time i was still thinking that perhaps it wasn't a a kill jennifer a a kill tanya mcquaid moment i thought it was more of a potentially blackmail tanya mcquaid moment yeah yep um but you know turns out we were wrong there and uh all the people i mean the entire death scene is quite amazing from the <laughs> fact that she takes away a bag blindly shoots a bunch of people she comes out guns blazing it's nuts comes out guns blazing the captain the captain just jumping overboard is hysterical. hysterical and um the fact that she tries to jump down into the motorboat when there's With just her a heels perfectly on. useful take the heels staircase off. yep <laughs> really. it shows that's, that's the way that character that's the way that character is supposed to go she's Absolutely. incapable of rational thought and that's yep. why she's lovely Yep, exactly. And that, yeah, it's it's actually something that that's very endearing, and also in that moment. So I'm br- glad you brought up that the gays trying to kill her, and just it's so much to chew on. So fun! I can't wait for season three. Justin, thank you so much for talking about season two with me. It was uh, it was a good time. I'm glad glad to be back. Excellent. Let's do it again soon. Thank you, everyone out there, for once again joining the party. This podcast is in the loop. 
the Legion of Osiris Podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com.